It's good to see everyone uh, this morning. Uh, if you don't know who I am, my name is James. I'm one of the elders here uh, at New Life Community Church. It's a joy uh, to be able to to stand here and speak this morning. Uh, never, I never take this lightly. Uh, proclaiming the, the truths of God's word. Uh, even though it's something I've done for a long time, uh, it's still, uh, anytime I break open God's word, there's a level of uh, nervousness that I have because of the weightiness of proclaiming God's word. And I do believe that if I ever lose that nervousness of the seriousness of opening God's word and teaching it, I think it'd be time for me to stop doing it. This morning, we're going to be in uh, Psalm 144. We are going to continue our uh, summer Psalms series. Um, We have been doing this for several several summers, uh, really ever since we have been a part of this church. Um, so uh, working our way, we take a few weeks, uh, several weeks during the summer, and we uh, pick a psalm and we, uh, we teach on it. It gives uh, some of us that uh, don't teach or preach uh, a whole lot a chance to chance to do just that as well plus it gives uh kyle and jasper some uh some days off as well so before we get into this how many has ever read or watched the movies uh lord of the rings raise your hand uh in the second movie if you've ever seen the movies, in the second movie uh, called The Two Towers, there's uh, one of the things that's going on, there's this king that's trying to get his people to safety, safety from the enemies. And um, he is trying to lead his people to a place called Helm's Deep. It's a fortress inside of buildings into a side of a mountain. And he's, he's just super confident that if he can get, just get his people to Helm's Deep, then they will be, they'll be okay. And one of the scenes of the movie, he makes the statement that Helm's Deep has never been breached. Well, if you've read the book or watched the movies, you know that Helm's Deep is actually it is breached in the movie. The enemy does breach, uh, breach the gates because there is one area, that, a weak spot, and the enemies are able to uh, pinpoint that weakness and gain entry into a place where the king and his people thought they were going to be safe, thought they were going to be protected, um, a place that has, had, a, had never let them down. Well, this morning, 
I'm going to declare to you uh, a rock, a fortress, a refuge that has never been breached and never will. Amen. And that is the God of the universe. Amen. He is our rock. He is our fortress. He is our stronghold. He is our strong tower that we can run into and be safe from all of our enemies. And that like helps deep. There is no weakness. Amen. There is no weakness in God. There is no weakness in our taking refuge in him. So this morning, uh, we're going to look here in Psalm 144 and just a little background uh, of this psalm. This psalm is, uh, it asks God to give victory to the reigning heir of David. David's line of his legacy had been uh, fortified here, and this was uh, a psalm of the people asking God to give victory to the reigning heir of David, which will lead to a condition of blessing for his people. The, the I in verses 1 through 11 is the Davidic king, and an R in verses 12 through 14 is the whole people. And God's promise to the house of David was uh, has tied the well-being of the whole people to the faithfulness of the reigning heir of David. So when God's faithful people sing this, they are praying for the success of this arrangement so that the people might flourish under God's blessing. So I wanted to take you back a little bit to see exactly what this arrangement was. So if you'll turn real, real quick with me, turn back to 2 Samuel chapter 7. Hold your place there in Psalm 144, but so, uh, flip back to 2 Samuel chapter 7. Here in 2 Samuel chapter 7, there is a prophet by the name of Nathan, and God instructs Nathan to go and, and talk to uh, David. And we're not going to read the whole, uh, the whole scripture here, but I'm going to pick this, uh, pick this up, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 8. And it says, Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took from you, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and I will make you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, so that they may dwell in their own place, and be disturbed no more, and violent men shall afflict them no more, as formerly." from the time that I had appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you, the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. 
When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words, in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. So this is the arrangement that we find here in Psalm 144, that the blessings of the nation are tied to the king, that when he's prosperous, the nation's prosperous. We also find that looking through the scripture that whenever the king of Judah was a righteous king, then the people followed that and they, they were they followed in that righteous path. But whenever they had an unlocked, ungodly king, they would eventually follow after the ungodly ways of that king and, and sin against God. So that was the arrangement, that the blessing, however that king lived, good, evil, that's how the people followed after him. Now for us, as we look at this psalm, we see as Christians, we recognize that there is one final heir of David. And that's who? That's Jesus. He is the final heir of David. And we pray, Christians pray, that God will pr protect his people from persecutors, will further the expansion of the, of the people, and will prosper the faithful in their daily lives. So as Christians, we pray to we can, we can take this same psalm and we can apply it to our lives today that we can pray protection from enemies, protection from persecutors for the expansion of the gospel as we try to spread the gospel and that he will prosper us in our daily lives. So this is, we can look at this same psalm and we can sing the same song with the same intentions and with the same ability as the people that sung it in the biblical times. Why? Because Jesus is that last heir of King David. And we are blessed and we are prospered through him. Amen. And we have that eternal king. Amen. So my goal today is to show that how, how we, God's people, through salvation in his son Jesus, can take and apply the same truths that are applied to the people here and apply them to our daily, daily lives. And the big ideal for today, what I want you to take away, is this. Because of God the Father's great love for us, we can put our total trust in his son Jesus, who is our advocate and provider. Because of God the Father's great love for us, we can put our total trust in His Son, Jesus, who is our advocate and our provider. Amen? I'm going to basically divide the psalm into six different parts this morning, and we're going to talk about each. We're going to talk about verses 1 and 2, who God is to His people. In verses 3 and 4, we're going to talk about God's love for his people. 
verses 5 through 8, how God fights for his people. Verses 9 through 11, that God's people plead to him for deliverance. Verses 12 and 14, 12 through 14 is how God's people plead to him for prosperity. And then finally, verse 15 is a final praise to God based on hope because of everything that's in the first 14 verses. So uh, I'd ask you if you're able to stand this morning, we're going to read our, our text this morning here in Psalm 144. Psalm 144, verse 1. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. He is my steadfast love and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield and he in whom I take refuge, who subdues peoples under me. O Lord, what is man that you regard him, or the son of man that you think of him? Man is like a breath, his days are like a passing shadow. Bow your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains so that they smoke. Flash forth the lightning and scatter them. Send out your arrows and rout them. Stretch out your hand from on high. Rescue me and deliver me from the many waters, from the hand of foreigners whose mouths speak lies and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song to you, O God. Upon a ten-string harp I will play to you, who gives victory to kings, who rescues David, his servant, from the cruel sword. Rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners whose mouths speak lies and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. May our sons in their youth be like plants full grown, our daughters like corner pillars cut from the structure of a palace. May our granaries be full, providing all kinds of produce. May our sheep bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields. May our cattle be heavy with young, suffering no mishap or failure in bearing. May there be no cry of distress in our streets. Blessed are the people to whom such blessings fall. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. This is the word of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you for today. I thank you for the privilege that we have to come together to fellowship with our fellow brothers and sisters in you. Let us never take that lightly, Father. Father, you just help us today to read and see and hear and understand your word. Father, I ask that you will Give me the words to say. Allow us to see what your word declares this morning. Now, thank you. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you.
So the first thing we're going to see this morning is who God is to his people. Who God is to his people. And the first thing I wanted to declare to you this morning is that God is our advocate. God is our advocate. The word advocate means one who defends or maintains a cause or proposal. One who supports or promotes the interests of a cause or group or one who pleads the cause of another. So God is our advocate. Let's look here once again at Psalm 144, verses 1 and 2. It says, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. That should get some of us stirred up right there. Amen? He prepares us. He trains us for battle. He is my steadfast love and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield in he in whom I take refuge, who subdues peoples under me. This word blessed here, blessed be the Lord. This Lord, word blessed means to kneel in adoration or to kneel in worship. And who is he worshiping? The people that proclaim this, who are they worshiping? They're blessed be the Lord, Jehovah, the existing one. This word comes from the root word meaning to be, just to be. Because as we know, God is eternal, amen? Just to be blessed. It's, it's humble adoration. It's humble adoration and worship to Jehovah, our God, the one that it just exists. And he says that he is my rock. When you, when you look at Hebrew words in the Bible, or Hebrew words in general, they not only translate in, into, in, into a meaning, but they also paint a picture. And the picture that this word rock paints for us is that it's a proper name with reference to a deity. It's a proper name with reference to a de deity. And this word comes from the word that means to confine, secure, to shut in, to shut up, or to enclose. So when the people proclaimed this, what they proclaimed is, I adore and worship God who secures and encloses around me. He covers me. In Psalm 91, Psalm 91 verse 1, we read that God covers us with his wings when we come into and under the shadow of the Almighty. This is what God does. Why? Because he's our advocate. He covers us. He encloses around us. And how does he do this? He trains us for battle. But there's a reason behind this training, and that is to rely upon him. That's why they, they, he declares, Blessed be the Lord my rock. That's who they're looking unto. They're proclaiming, they're looking unto 
Jehovah God as my rock because we recognize that he is not only God, he is the only one and true God. Amen. In a, in a time, and there is, if you were in home groups this past semester, you know that we read uh, Ecclesiastes and, you know, there is nothing new under the sun. Amen. And just as there were many gods that people worshipped in this time, there are still many gods that people worship today. And some of the same gods that they're trying to resurrect that's exactly what they're doing. It's the same gods that they worshiped in the Bible. They're just calling them different names. So there was nothing new under the sun. So when he trains us, he trains us to rely upon him. We recognize his deity, that he is the one and true God. There is no other beside him. The Bible declares that God and him alone is the only one that is worthy to be praised. There is none other. There is no other, no other God, no other uh, security, no other uh, uh, safety mechanism that we should worship, amen, that we should put our trust in. <laughs> if you look at the book of Isaiah in chapter 30 and chapter 31, the in, in the first three verses of each of those chapters, it talks about relying on other things other than God, relying on Egypt because they have many horses, they have many chariots. And in Isaiah 31, it says in verse 3 that sooner or later, whatever you put your trust in is going to fall. But not only that, but all those who trust in that is going to fall right along with you. So if we put our trust in anything other than God, if we, if we declare anything to put that, declare anything else as our rock, our source of strength, sooner or later that's going to fall. If it's money, if it's power, if it's status, if it's a job, if it's a title, it's, it's eventually going to fall. And the thing is, when it falls, we're going to fall right along with it. But we can put our faith and trust in Jehovah God because he is our rock. He's never going to be, he's never going to be moved. He's, he's never going to let us down. Amen. There may be times that we feel let down. We, we don't understand everything at the moment. But he is always our rock. And we have to establish that. We have to determine that. Because if we look at anything other than God Almighty, eventually, whatever we're looking for, for our strength and our protection, it's going to fall. And we will fall right along with it. So he trains them for battle by training them to rely upon him. And they, and they do this because they recognize his deity. The psalm declares 
went through my page. Psalm declares there in verse 2, he is my steadfast love. Why? Because of the recognition of deity. That's why he's my steadfast love. And that's why God should be our steadfast love. And through recognition comes victory. Our recognition causes us to humble ourselves to God. And through this humility, our enemies are humbled and brought low. As the, as the word declares here, here who, who sub, God's who subdues peoples under me. Makes me think of Ephesians chapter 1, that Jesus is elevated by God the Father, above, high above all principalities and powers, is sitting at God's right hand, and that we are elevated with him when we believe in him. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places, who is our rock and our fortress. Amen? We're above all principalities and powers, all wickedness, all rulers of this world, according to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. We're above all them. And we have victory because we recognize that God is the only one true God. Amen? So, He is, who is God to His people? He is our advocate. Then we have to ask the question, is how is God through our advocate? And it is through His Son, Jesus Christ. God is our advocate, and how is God our advocate? It is through His Son, Jesus Christ. If you'll quickly Turn with me over to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1. I will quickly read through these because I do know there is a fine line between a long-winded preacher and a hostage situation. So uh, I have a lot to say, but uh, we will get through this as quick as we can. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So he speaks today to us through his son Jesus after Jesus, it says in verse 3, made purification for sins, he sat down where? On the right hand of majesty on high, having been much superior to angels, as, as the name he inherited as much is more excellent than theirs. So Jesus made purification for sins. How? He came, he lived among men, he walked and lived a sinless life, he died a a sinner's death, even though he had no sin. He didn't stay dead. 
the Holy Spirit raised him on the third day, and now he sits on the right hand of Father God. And what does he do? He makes intercession for you and I. To me, that sounds a whole lot like a what? An advocate. Amen? So we know that God is our advocate, and how is God our advocate is through his Son, Jesus Christ. Flip over Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. It is to Jesus that we go to now. He is our apostle and high priest. Amen. Why? Because he sits at the right hand of, of Father God and he makes intercession for you and I, amen? Because of this, now Jesus is our stronghold, Jesus is our deliverer, Jesus is our shield, and Jesus is our refuge. And he'll never be breached, amen? According to Psalm 61.3, God is our strong tower that we can run into and be saved. We can run to him and be safe. He is the support system that will never fail. Anything else will eventually fail. And so we know that God is our advocate. And how is God our advocate? It's through his son, Jesus. The next question is, why is God our advocate? This is a question that the text here in Psalm 144 starts to ask in verses 3 and 4. Let's look back at Psalm 144. Let's look at verses 3 and 4. It says, O Lord, what is man that you regard him? Or the son of man that you think of him? Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. He just declared in verses 1 and 2 that God is, is my rock. He trains me for battle. He's my steadfast love. He's my fortress, my stronghold, my deliverer, my shield. I take refuge in him. He seduced people below, below, under me. But then he kind of gets, why? What is man that you regard him? Or the Son of Man that you think of Him, God Almighty. Have you ever have you ever thought that yourself? Why is the why does the God of Universe care about me? Have you ever thought about that? I have. And this is what what the psalmist that wrote this was was getting at. Why? What is man? He goes on, man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Our days are like a breath. In the grand scheme of things, our life compared to eternity is just a vapor. It's just a mist. It's here and then it's gone. So why does God care about you and I? Why does God care about you and I? because of God's 
steadfast love for us. The psalmist declared his steadfast love for, for God. Why does he regard us? It's because of his steadfast love. And it's the love of the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, Paul is writing and he declares and he speaks to his people there. He says, may the grace of Jesus, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This is not only a beautiful picture of the Trinity, it also describes how each member of the Trinity relates to you and I. We have the love of God, the love of the Father, who loved us so much that he sent his Son to die for us. We have the grace of Jesus, because Jesus loved us so much that he was willing to lay down his own life so that we may live forever with him. And God the Holy Spirit loves us so much that he, he fellowships with us. When we come and we, we, we declare that Jesus is going to be my Lord and Savior, and that I'm going to put my faith and trust in him, we repent of our, of our sins, we repent of how we live in our lives, and we do a 180, we change the way we think, we change the way we live, and we follow after God's commands. We follow after trying to be a man that looks into the mirror of God's word as it declares in the book of James, chapter number one, so that we can be changed into that image. Step by step, moment by moment, the more we look into that image, the more we, we become like Jesus. And it's through the fellowship of the Holy Spirit who indwells us at the moment of salvation. And just like the people of Israel, we didn't do anything to deserve God's great love. When, when Moses was declaring to the people in the book of Deuteronomy that they were fixing to go and inherit the promised land, and he was gonna, he was gonna drive out these people and 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 you know, clear the land. And he was telling them, once you get in the land, once all the people's clear, and you you become and you establish yourself in the land, and you start you start to prosper. He said, don't you ever think that you did this and you were able to do this because of your own integrity, because you don't have any. Because God tell Moses tells them that because you are a stiff-necked people, you're a stubborn people. And ladies and gentlemen, today, we're not, we're not any different than they are. We can be a stiff-necked people. We can be a rebellious people. But God still loves us. While we were still sinners, God sent his son to die for us. Amen. We're told in John, first John chapter four, that we love because God first loved us. In James chapter four, verses seven through 10, it tells us that if we submit ourselves to, to God, resist the devil, that's the moment of, of repentance, humble ourselves, submit to God, resist the devil, He'll flee from us, 
But then, through humility in verse 10, it says God will lift us up with him. Isaiah chapter 57 verse 15 tells us that God dwells in the high and the lofty, oh, high and lofty place. High and lofty place. But he doesn't dwell there alone. He says, I dwell there with those of a contrite and lowly spirit. That perfectly explains James chapter 7 verses 7 through 10. When we submit to God, we resist the devil. Then we we wash our hands. We, we purify ourselves. We, we humbly come before him. And when we do, he lifts us up with him. And we already said he lifts us up where? With Christ in heavenly places. Amen? So who is, who is God? He is our advocate. How is your, how is our, our, can't talk. How is, how is he our advocate is through his son, Jesus. Why is he our advocate? Because he loves us. We love him because he first loved us. Now we get into the benefits of God being our advocate. The benefits of God being our advocate. Let's look again here in Psalm 144, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 8. It says, Bow your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains so that they smoke. Flash forth the lightning and scatter them. Send out your arrows and rout them. Stretch out your hand from on high. Rescue me and deliver me from the many waters, from the hand of foreigners whose mouths speak lies and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. The first benefit that we have of God being our advocate is that he fights for us. That's what the psalm is asking, that God will fight for them. Bow your heavens, O Lord, and come down. It says, flash forth the lightning and scatter them. Who is them? It is those, that's that verse 8, whose mouths speak lies and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. It is, it is God fighting for his people against their enemies. And we can have that same prayer. We can have that same benefit that God, because he is our advocate, fights for you and I. Every day of our lives, he fights for us. He, 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 he fights for us because he hears our prayers. Psalm 144, verses 9 through 11 declares this, I will sing a new song to you, O God. Upon a ten-stringed harp, I will play to you. There is a reference in the book of Daniel where there were some exiles that were on this bank and they were sitting in a tree and all their harps were down on the ground and the Babylonians wanted them to get their harps and play their harps a song and they said, how can we play a song when our souls are so downtrodden because we are in exile? We're not in our home nation of Jerusalem. 
and they were so distraught that they that, that they couldn't worship how they used to worship God. They couldn't even play their instruments anymore. But here he declares, I will sing a new song to you, O God, upon a ten-stringed harp. I will play to you. Who gives victory to kings, who rescues David, his servant, from the cruel sword. That's why he could sing a new song. Because he knew God would fight for him and would give him, uh, would rescue him. Verse 11, rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners whose mouths speak lies and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. God not only fights for us, but he fights for us because he hears our prayers. He hears our prayers for deliverance. And because we can trust in God, because we can rely upon him, because he fights for us, because he hears our prayers for deliverance, we can go a step further just as the people here. And we can look in verses 12 through 14 that God, they, when they plead to God for prosperity. Verses 12 through 14, it says, May our son, may our sons and their youth be like plants full grown, our daughters like corner pillars cut from the structure of a palace. That's some interesting imagery right there, amen? Especially for the daughters. May they be like corner pillars cut from the structure of a palace. Cut for the structure of a palace. What that means is that their young sons will be full grown. They'll have power. They'll be able to fight. The young daughters to be strong like corner pillars because without a good cornerstone, without that good structure, what's going to happen to the structure? It's going to fall. So they're asking for their daughters to be strong, to to be that uh, pillar that would not be moved. Verse 13, may our granaries be full, providing all kinds of produce. May our sheep bring four thousands and ten thousands in our fields. May our cattle be heavy with young, suffering no mishap or failure in bearing. May there be no cry of distress in our streets. Few weeks in sun, a few weeks ago in Sunday school, we talked about a time in Israel's history where when Elijah was a prophet, that God used him to pray for the rain to stop, and the rain stopped for three and a half years. And then, that, then God used him again to combat King Ahab and the prophets of Baal because King Ahab influenced by his wicked wife, Queen Jezebel, instituted all kinds of uh, demonic worship, and one of them was the prophet Baal. And talks about the confrontation of, of that, but at this time, there, were, there was a drought for three and a half years, and there was definitely distress in the streets. 
because of the drought. But their prayer for prosperity is that there would be plenty, that their sons and daughters would be would uh, be great, with their granny granaries full, their their sheep to produce many thousands, and for their cattle to to have no mishaps in bearings, so that there'd be no cry of distress in our streets. Putting our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we can lean, lean upon Him to be our rock. But the one thing the Bible never promised is that we would never go through any kind of distress. Amen? God the Father is more, it's more important to God the Father to get you to heaven, to be with him for eternal life, than your physical comfort here on earth. And that is, you know, for really, for, for a while now, started by the Harris Maniac movement, you saw, you know, come to God and everything's going to be fine. Just pray, name it, and claim it. You know, the Bible says you can pray anything in God's name, in Jesus' name, and He's going to give it to you. You know, just you know, it's all about prosperity. God's going to prosper you. Well, the truth is that God absolutely wants to prosper you. Part of being a child of God is for God to bless you and to prosper you in every area of your life. In, in, in physical health, in success, in money. He absolutely wants to prosper us in that. But we do know from James chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, that it says that you do not have because you do not ask or that you ask, but you're asking with wrong motives because you're just selfish. You want to heap it up on yourself. And that's what this prosperity teaching that has become so prevalent teaches that God wants to prosper you. Yes, everything's going to be hunky-dory. No, amen. We're going to go through struggles. We're going to go through trials. We're going to go through difficult things. But we can go through that without being in the top of distress that verse 14 is talking about. With no hope. We can go through things and still have hope in God. Why? Because he's our advocate. Amen. He is our Lord. He is our rock that we run to and be safe. When life's troubles hit us, we can turn to him. Amen. And he will prosper us. He may, it may not be the top. It may not look like what we think prosperity will look like. But God will always make sure we have everything in life that we need. 
He may not give us everything we want, but he'll always give us everything we need. The book of Ecclesiastes tells us, I believe it's chapter 3, verse 11, that God makes everything beautiful in, in its time. And we have to trust God in that. And how can we trust God in that? Because we recognize that he is our rock. He is, he is the deity. And we humbly come before him as it starts out here in Psalm 144, verse 1. Blessed be the Lord, my rock. It's all about humbling ourselves before him. That's how the psalm starts. And that's how the psalm ends in verse 15. Let's look at verse 15. It says, blessed are the people to whom such blessings fall. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. This is a worship again to God based on the hope that they had at this time because the Lord was their rock. It's the same hope that you and I can have every day of our lives. Amen. It's the, only, it's the hope that can only come one way, and that is to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So this morning, <laughs> I want to encourage you, if you are a Christian, continue to seek God, continue to lean upon God, continue to walk in his commandments, continue to, to look upon God's word, that we're changed into his image from moment from moment, step by step, by where we're observing and looking into God's word and we live it we pray it, we live it out, and we will find that Jesus is our refuge, he is our fortress, he is our strong tower that we can run to and be safe, amen? And this morning, if you are here and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, won't you do so today? Won't you do it? It'll be the best decision you'll ever make in your entire life. It is the greatest miracle that could, any, that could ever happen. Greater than any physical healing could ever be. The greatest miracle is if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. For he will transform your life. And you can fully rely upon him as your Lord, as your rock, as your fortress, as your stronghold. Let's stand this morning. Let's pray this morning.
Father God, I, I thank you. I praise you. First of all, I want to thank you, Father, for your great love, for your great love for us. As the scriptures declare, Father, what is man that you regard him? What or the son of man that you think of him, but you do? Father, I thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you are our advocate. We thank you for your son who died for our sins. Thank you for the many benefits that we have because you are our advocate. You fight for us. We can pray for you for deliverance. We can pray to you for prosperity and Father, you will bless us. Father, help us to always remember that we must come to you in humble adoration because of who you are. You are the God of the universe. There is none other beside you. No other rock, no other, no other security that we could rest upon that would give us the eternal security that you do. May we always look to you. May we always be ready, Father, to sing a new song to you. No matter if life's going great or if life is going awful. Let's never lay down our harps because we can't worship. Let us always be ready and we want to worship you, to praise you because we know that you are a rock. We rest and we depend solely upon you. Hallelujah. I thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.